Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, folks, to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. I think this is going to be quite a topic today and a fair bit to get through even on the introduction. So can you please tell us about the topic and our guest for this episode? Grant, I'm really pleased to be having this chat with our audience today because we're talking diversity in the workplace and the benefits it brings. And we're doing this specifically in the lead up to our annual Women in Packaging Forum, which is taking place this year on a virtual platform on the 18th of August. Now, PKN presents this along with our sister brand, Food and Drink Business. And um, we're presenting the forum this year in partnership with the Australian Institute of Packaging during their conference. And making it all possible for us to do so is our headline sponsor, TNA Solutions. Now, TNA backs this event and has done so since its inception because it's a matter close to the heart of today's studio guest, who we have named as the patron for our Women in Packaging event this year, and that's Nadia Taylor. Now, for many regular listeners and um, in the wider packaging industry, Nadia, who is a leading figure in our industry and a champion for social change, needs no introduction. But for those of you who may not know her, here is what you should know. As co-founder and director of leading food processing and packaging solutions provider TNA Solutions, Nadia Taylor is actively engaged in the strategic development and operations of the business. After migrating to Australia from Egypt in the 1960s, Nadia founded TNA with her husband and business partner Alf in 1982. Starting out as a dream from her kitchen at home, Nadia's drive and determination were instrumental in developing TNA from a packaging pioneer into a highly successful global business with over 30 sales and support offices around the world and more than 14,000 packaging and processing systems installed in over 120 countries. It is a magnificent achievement for this company. Together, Nadia and Alf have received numerous awards for their innovation, for their business success and their philanthropy. A proponent for inclusive growth, Nadia is deeply committed to sharing TNA's success with the lesser fortunate, especially children. TNA's extensive philanthropic initiatives aid communities both at home in Australia and across the globe. Nadia's efforts to lend support to socially excluded groups under the aegis of TNA's humanitarian programs have earned her a membership to the Order of Australia in 2019. Welcome, Nadia. We're looking forward to hearing more about your personal story on the podcast today and your views on diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Thank you very much, Lindy. That was a lovely glowing introduction. You sure you're talking about me then? <laughs> it's lovely to be here today. Now, Nadia, your story is a love story on many levels. It's a story of romance, of passion for packaging, of love for children less fortunate. So let's start with you and Alf. Both of you are well-known industry figures at the height of your careers, but it all began a long time ago among the potato chips. Give us some insight into the early days and what it took for the two of you to start the business. 
Yes, that's true. We did meet and fell in love among the potato chips at Arnott Snacks back in those days. Alf had started as a packaging engineer and worked his way up to manufacturing manager. And I was actually the PA for the MD back in those days. And um, I've always wanted to start our own business, but was not sure what. Alf, on the other hand, loved the snack food industry and never wanted to leave. But after some persuasion and a kick up the backside, he agreed. (laughs) And uh, we started uh, as consulting engineers. And the story goes, we're at a pub one night and after a couple of beers with Alf, he came up with this amazing uh, concept uh, of packaging, snack foods whereby we would double the speed, which is very important in a snack food factory, with very high performance. And this is more or less how TNA was born. Having said that, Back in those days, it was amazing the number of um, people we met that said to us, this idea will never work, you know, you're dreaming, just give it up. And uh, luckily, we did not believe them. In addition to that, I must say, I was really pleased that we did uh, also spend the money to patent a technology because I'm proud to say we had to fight some big uh, court cases. One in particular was in London where we won the, um, the case, they appealed, and then they took it to the House. So we won again the appeal. And they took it to the House of Lords and we won. Here is a small Australian company winning that case. So this is something I'm really proud of, Lindy. So it's, it seems to me that it's not just a story of ingenuity um, in that instance, but also of tremendous resilience and bravery and courage of your convictions. So all the way through, though, you and Alf have been partners and you have risen to success on an equal footing in the business. You now have more than 40 years of experience in the snack food industry and in your role as director of TNA, you are responsible for business development and the management of TNA's growing global customer relationship program. But has there ever been a time where you have felt that being a woman was a disadvantage in your business dealings? Okay, so I get asked this a lot, Lindy, and if I can take you back to when I was 18, which was many years ago, (laughs) I was working for a private company and um, uh, a vacancy became available, PA to the managing director, and his 50-year-old secretary was leaving. And I applied for the position and I could not believe it. While I was being interviewed by the MD, he told me how I would not be suitable because women get their monthlies and I would not be able to handle the job. I was shocked. So I'd say this was probably the only, you know, uh, bad experience I've had. But going back to your question, since the inception of TNA, I must admit the road has not been tough for me. I, um, I've been lucky enough to travel the world, you know, uh, mix with many cultures. And uh, though every time I entered a, a region, I, um, I understood the business needs and the industry needs. But what I felt personally that was really important is understanding the culture Adapting to the environment, I really felt 
having respect for the culture and knowing how to handle yourself um, really helped me having long-lasting relationships with our clients, suppliers, and our staff, really. I think hearing your story and having heard it before from both your side and Alf's side, what has always struck me was how you were clearly treated as an equal. And as you know from many women's stories in our industry and in the broader social milieu, women are not always treated as equal. And some of the, some of the time, um, women are not always supporting other women. So my next question to you was, did you have any significant female mentors in your career? And how important do you think mentorship is in the development of women leaders in our industry? Look, unfortunately, I never had a mentor. I wish I did. So I really think it's important for women these days to have mentors. But when I look at uh, your question, um, I can think of a number of women have inspired me. Uh, the first woman that comes to mind uh, as far as business goes is probably Indra Nui, the ex-president uh, CEO of uh, Pepsi International. Indra's sheer grit, determination, and what that lady achieved in her career has really inspired me. I also feel, and you might find this a cliche, but the ladies that are in TNA who are holding, you know, uh, some senior position, other positions, they truly inspire me every day. I'm always so proud to be with them at meetings and, and watching them, how professional they are. And last but not least, I must tell you this, um, through the foundation, I have met with women that have also been truly inspirational. Um, Australian women who went to Africa and started some amazing projects like world-class schools with the first donation at $10. That's other women. And lastly, again through my foundation, is meeting women that endured domestic violence. Um, I'll just give you an example of a woman that truly I, I found her amazing. So she earned double the salary of her husband and she was quite well educated and he could not cope with that. So he, he became violent at times and I admired the fact that this woman could get up in the morning, get her kids organized, drop them off to school, put her makeup on, try and hide that little bruise and hoping that no one would notice and get into work, get into this meeting, put a smile on and carry on as if life is perfect at home. This woman, I just, I'm lost for words. To be able to do that, I thought was significant. So as a leader in your workplace, when you see or you encounter that type of um, hardship that that's a person on your team is going through, and you can find it inspirational and you can be filled with admiration, but how do you best support that person in the workplace? That's uh, a good question. So that did not happen in our workplace, but this is a lady who worked elsewhere. But I think we would have a chat that, to that lady if it did happen in our place. And uh, we would try and seek out help for her, whether it's counselling or whether she needs to escape the violence, needs help setting up. I mean, through the years we have, there's been occasion where we've helped 
in different areas, you know, um, not necessarily domestic violence, but other areas where um, an employee's house is burned down or flooding or whatever. Whatever's needed, TNA will go in and help that colleague of ours. So, um, to go back to the topic of mentorship, do you have um, any formal mentor uh, programs in your business? Well, we do have, yes, mentors. Um, when you say mentors, we do have um, policies in place, but all, all I ca- what I'd like to do is give you some examples of the ladies that have come through the rank. So um, take Terry Johnson's, for instance. She's our um, VP of the Americas, heads one of our biggest um, divisions. Um, Terry started in sales and worked her way up to um, VP of the Americas. And then we have Donna Butler, who heads our confectionery solutions division, another lady. Jessica Bolton, who started young uh, after university in the UK. Again, she started in sales and worked her way up to, she had our production, she's our production manager in the UK. So we do give them the opportunity to progress uh, should they be interested. We also help them out, like back in 20, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, we didn't have the maternity uh, benefits that uh, we enjoy these days. We um, we had a very good uh, maternity policy in place. We kept the jobs open. Uh, we reduced their working days if they wanted to. We always wanted these competent women to stay with TNA. So I, I was listening to a, a talk the other day on, on diversity and um, developing leaders in the workplace. And um, just to finish off on the topic of mentorship, I was I've always considered mentors being the the person who's more experienced in the workplace, um, allowing a a younger person to learn from them. But the concept of reverse mentorship came up in this conversation. And I thought, gosh, well, this is happening in my workplace for sure. Because when I don't know something, sometimes when I'm not as tech savvy as I might need to be, or I need someone to quickly edit something in Canva, and I'm not as as, um, on top of that as I should be, I turn to the younger people on my team and I do think that it it should be recognized and acknowledged that younger people as well as older people can both lean in, you know, when it comes to sharing skills and expertise and learning from each other and so building confidence, resilience um, and skills. Yes. Oh, look, I definitely agree. Reverse mentorship is critical. A young, savvy workforce is very important to keep any business up with the times. So I'm learning so much uh, from them, you know, on a daily basis. And um, actually, they've taught me on, you know, how to be active on platforms such as LinkedIn and create posts that are really important and matter, you know. And you must 
uh, watch their faces when I always run to them about a question, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or the other day I ran up and asked them, I thought TikTok was a clock, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and they looked at me and had a, a giggle and a laugh. So, yes, definitely. I think that's very important to have the young savvy ones. I did notice the other day on one of your posts, Nadia, for LinkedIn that you, you said that TNA was a top scorer in social media. That was quite an achievement. And um, well done to your younger team for helping you get there. Thank you. And that was truly uh, uh, some women and yes, younger team, definitely. <laughs> so you spoke about those examples of women who have risen through your ranks. Um, and I certainly know that there are many more in your extensive employee base. Do you have specific systems and strategies in place to, to develop and elevate women in leadership roles? So, yes, we do have the policies and, as I said before, the opportunities to progress should they want to and whether it is, you know, to get training or whether it is to go out, get another degree, that, that, that's open to our ladies. I did also want to share with you, uh, Lindy, I was very proud because only last month we um, had our very first exhibition after COVID. It was a confectionery exhibition in the USA. And I'm proud to say it was manned by women. First time ever in 39 years that I that, that the show was manned by women. And it was a success. Um, I was very happy. Well, that goes without saying. So, when you say it was manned by women, do you mean they were involved in the setup, in in everything? Correct. They were involved in the setup. They were involved in the sale. Yeah, that we had no men attend at all from TNA. It was all yeah, we women doing the whole lot. Well, that sounds like a wonderful experience, Nadia. And I did want to um, bring us back to something you mentioned uh, just a little bit earlier about education and degrees being open to the women at TNA. Now, you're an engineering-based business and you're dependent on a healthy pipeline of STEM talent. So, that's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics talent. Are you finding that there is a shortage of women in STEM? And do you have any specific TNA-based programs to support women in STEM? Yes, you're right there, Lindy. It's very difficult. Um, there's not enough female engineers and we, we, whenever there is an opportunity, we will use it to encourage them in. So, uh, what we've done, take last year, for instance, we attended the University of New South Wales Engineering Expo. We made sure that our women engineers went talked to the students and encouraged them and told them how important it is to join like companies like TNA who, you know, welcome women in that industry. So, so we do, we, we do that. Supporting programs like yours allows us to also give a voice and hopefully support and inspire many women in these fields. In fact, I wanted to have some of our women in senior leadership positions in TNA be part of this chat one day with you, Lindy. I want people to know the journey and how they could help others. Well, I think that is so important, the part that says um, – that shows other women and young women, especially considering their careers, what is available and that these opportunities are available to them, that they shouldn't be a roadblock and that companies like yours are making it possible for people to A, learn the skills and B, then advance when they have those skills. So, you've got 
offices in over 30 countries and your business must therefore represent a melting pot of diversity, I would imagine. Do you have workplace diversity and inclusion strategies to ensure equal opportunities in your business? So, yes, we do. On paper, we do. Um, We have a very detailed diversity and inclusion policy in place. Um, But I must admit, TNA was founded on the principles of transparency and trust. And these are very critical to the way we operate. We've put these measures in place and uh, what we ensure to do is uh, we make sure we have regular town hall meetings. Alf and I have a very open door policy. Anyone can come and talk to us at any time. We always try and emphasize the, um, the trust and the transparency and equality and equality not just based on gender but religion you know color skin it does not matter I was going to say we want people to be able to attend the meeting and whether you're Egyptian Scottish Asian Indian you don't look at where the person comes from you treat the person as just another human being equal to you. And maybe maybe that comes from because we're both ethnics and, and, and you know. Well, I think that certainly probably does help your empathy. Um, and that would mean that you started out on that footing, which would have been a fantastic uh, foundation stone for your business. Now, of course, um, it's, it's all very well to have on paper that everybody's equal, but, but money talks, Nadia. So, <laughs> my crunchy question is, is there a gender pay gap at TNA? And, and if there has been, uh, how do you go about bridging that? Um, Lindy, Elf and I believe from day one, equal pay for equal work. That's what we believe in. Like reward and recognition is based on performance and not other bias. We could not even comprehend, you know, when we started the company on why should women be paid less? They're doing the same job just because she's a female. We could not comprehend that 39 years ago. So it's never changed for us. So no. Well, that's that's very refreshing to hear. So you've basically described a company in which... Well, I'd like to work there, frankly. <laughs> but, Please, join us, where you know where people are considered as equal humans, where people are given opportunities, where they paid based on their on the merit of their performance. Um, but if you look at the industry within where, which you're operating, in your view, do you think the industry is moving fast enough that um, that will enable the change to happen that has to happen for true equality in the workplace? You know, the wider industry, and what more c- could companies be doing? So, Lindy, I believe we've come a long way. Have we broken the glass ceiling? In some cases, maybe, but there's so much more we can do as companies, but also as individuals. Identifying biases that exist is one, and then addressing those biases. Um, A lot of what we see on paper is on paper, but companies really need to walk the talk. Yeah. And I think I learned something else the other day that, and and the example that you gave about the stories that you, um, of inspirational women, they weren't your own experience, but they were a, a story that you could relate so that other people could relate to it. So what I did learn the other day was 
from that diversity talk that I was on was don't try to claim someone else's story as your own, but amplify that story where you can. And I think for people like you and people like me in this position where I can start a women in packaging forum and where I, I can have conversations on the podcast, that is our role. It's to amplify those stories that will help change happen. So, and that is certainly something you have been doing in the, in the broader um, in your broader life as well. So I want to talk now a little bit about your charity work because I know that's very close to your heart and in itself that reflects who you are as a person and that serves as an inspiration to many people too. Tell us about that, Nadia. Thanks, Lindy. Elf and I both believe that where the foundation is, is concerned, action speaks louder, you know, than words. You know, I, I've met a lot of people during uh, my journey and a lot of people, you know, they feel sorry for the disadvantage and, you know, they, they, they talk about it. But do they actually go out there and, and do something, you know? Not, not many. Uh, you know, like there are the people that are really passionate about helping and do it. It'd be nice to see, you know, more uh, helping out. And, and I guess coming from uh, humble beginnings and traveling the world, seeing uh, poverty has always been something that Elf and I have said from day one, that if we ever became successful, we want to be able to help uh, disadvantage uh, kids and especially kids, they're the heart of what we do and they are the future. So we want to do everything we can to give these young kids and especially girls um, in developing countries that it's traditional for her to go have a child at 13, 14 and not worry about education. We want to be their voice and this is why we partner with a lot of schools in developing countries. So it's the Nadia and Alf Foundation, is that Nadia and Alf Taylor Foundation, and you support education in disadvantaged communities around the world. Is that correct? Yes. Education, health, there's various projects beside, but education is one of the biggest focus, yes, because we believe education gets them out of poverty. Absolutely, you'd you'd be right there. Now, Nadia, you you spoke earlier about inspirational role models, and I have to say, in the in the very early days of my joining um, the packaging industry here and going out to interview various people, since all that time, you have certainly been an inspirational role model to me. So, thank you very much for for joining us today and for sharing your message. I'd like you to have this opportunity, though, to to leave one last message for our audience today. So, what I would say is no dream is too big. <laughs> if an Egyptian and a Scotsman can come to Australia, map out their dream on a bee coaster and see it through, become successful globally, anyone can do that. And I would also like to add is that I want to thank you, Lindy, and your team and Packaging Magazine for um, the initi initiative of women in packaging. We are really happy uh, to be partners with you and, and we look forward to many more to follow. 
Well, thanks, Nadia. And we're really looking forward to our Women in Packaging Forum, which is taking place on the 18th of August as part of the Australian Institute of Packaging Conference. The details are all on our website, packagingnews.com.au. And on that occasion, I look forward to welcoming you, Nadia, as our patron. Thanks for joining us today for a truly inspirational talk, Nadia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you, Lindy. And of course, thanks, folks, for joining us on this episode. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with yet another informative episode. But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.